It's January 1st, 2009 at Buckingham Palace. The state dinner is about to be over. The Queen of England, Elizabeth II, appears next to her. She leans in and she probes with a question. She asks, well, those shoes must be really uncomfortable. Those shoes must really hurt. They both laugh because they understand the pain of wearing high heels. The tension of the moment. The tension of the state dinner eases and she places her hand on the back of the Queen of England. Royal courtiers gasp for air. Protocol is being broken in real time. A person is not supposed to place their hand on the back of the Queen of England. The Queen seizes the moment and she puts her hand, places her hand on the back of Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama, before she became Michelle Obama, was Michelle Robinson. She grew up on the south side of Chicago. Her parents injected her veins with the spirit of diligence. The blood of diligence propelled her to sit in the decorated halls of Princeton and Harvard Law School. Upon graduation from Harvard, she worked at the famed Sidley and Austin law firm in Chicago. While working at Sidley and Austin, she met the 44th president of the United States, Barack Obama, and they got married. Now, nobody thought that Michelle Robinson, then becoming Michelle Obama, would actually walk the halls of Washington. Uh, nobody thought that she would call the White House a home. But Michelle Obama did precisely that because Michelle Obama dared to become more. What if you became more than what you are now? What if God took away your spiritual poverty and he dunked you in the pool of his grace? What if God took you on a ride to take away your pride on the bus of humility? What if God took away the spasms of your doubt and he gave you the strength of courage? What if God made you more than what you are now? What if you dared to become more than what you are now? Uh, this morning, I, I want to look at a story that is tucked away in Mark chapter 1 verses 14 to number 15. 
Uh, we come again this morning to look at this concept of daring to be more, daring for more. We have understood uh, for the last two weeks that we, we need to dare to faith. The amount of faith we put in will determine the outcome that we get from God. Uh, last week we understood that we need to dare to ask for more because God is more. But what we really need to ask for is for us to become more. In fact, the, the sermon last Sabbath helped us to understand that Jesus wanted to give the living water. But before he could give the living water, he had to probe the woman. Woman, I need to make you more before I can give you more. And that is why this morning I'm, I'm, I'm probing us and I'm asking us that we need to dare to become more. Because that is what is the most important thing. It's not about having more. It's about being more. And so if you have your, your Bibles, Mark chapter 1, verses number 14 to verse 20. I want to read these seven verses uh, to your hearing. Uh, it begins by saying, now, that, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now, as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw, take note of this, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, come ye after me. And I'll make, you be, I'll make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship, with hired servants and went after them. If you will work with me this morning, I want to translate this text and this moment into the simple idea, dare to become more. Dare to become more. Let us pray. Almighty God, I humbly pray in your name for your sake. For me, for your people. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. We begin to see that uh, things have changed for John. The preacher has become a prisoner. Jesus labeled John the greatest of the prophets. But yet his prophet, prophetic ministry did not bring him personal profit because of this prophet of God is thrown into a prisoner, a prison. The preacher becomes a prisoner. I believe that uh, John didn't envision his life leading him into prison. But that's precisely what happened. See, sometimes when you dare to be more, when you dare to become more, 
when you dare four more, you do not get a certificate. You actually end up in a casket. The record of the biblical text, the Bible, the scriptures, reveal the fact that many who dared to be more did not end up with a certificate, but they ended up in a casket. Casket. We read of Isaiah who was dismembered by Manasseh. We know Jesus climbed up a tree and he died. We know Paul died a prisoner in Rome. Peter was crucified upside down. The point I'm trying to help you to see is that daring to become more might bring about a personal hurt. And I want you to know that when you are hurting, I want you to know that when you're suffering, I want you to understand that when you're going through difficulties, the devil, Satan, your greatest enemy is happy about it. He likes to see you in pain. He enjoys it when you face grimaces. He is happy when you are not happy. He is happy when you are sad. He is happy when you are stressed. But I love this passage because like in a tone of victory, we see that even though a preacher left the scene in John, God raised up another preacher in Jesus. <laughs> God raised up another preacher. And the point is this, God knows how to defeat the devil. And I want to tell you that God knows how to get around the devil. God knows the solutions to defeat the problems that God, the devil, is bringing into your life. And this morning, I'm happy to know that Jesus is raised up. But Jesus does not raise up. Jesus is not raised up uh, to compete with John. Jesus is raised up to complement John. John was preaching in the wilderness. But Jesus was preaching in the urban centers. Jesus preached the same message. There was not a different message. The people came to John. Jesus went to the people. I want you to know that when you dare to become more, it's not about competing with others. It is about complementing what others have built. It is about building upon the foundation that others have laid. And this is what we see in Jesus. And I'm here to point out to you that you will succeed if you do not try to reinvent the wheel. But you will succeed when you try to make the wheel more efficient. What is the will that you have been left with? What is the will that you have been given that God, that an organization, that your family, that your job wants you to utilize? What is it that you have found that has already been laid down that you can use to improve the situation? I love the way Paul puts it because he understood that being more is not about competition. Being more is about complimenting. <laughs> Paul said it well. He said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. 
That's the key. It's not what we do that makes a difference. It is what God can do. <laughs> it is the increase that God can give. And that is why we see in the ministry of Jesus and in the ministry of John an increase. Yes, John laid the foundation. He, he, he planted the gospel message. People were coming to him. But Jesus brought on water. But the difference was God adding the increase. This is a truth that you need to take home with you today. That as you try to do what has already been done. And you try to take it a little bit further. Faithfully. Committedly. God is going to give the increase. God is going to give that special ingredient that is needed. Do not try to do things and bring things into existence. Do not try to work it out by yourself. Do what you can. Do your best, as we say, and let God do the rest. What I love about the ministry of John is that John did not work as a soloist. John had a gang. And so Jesus also decided to have a gang uh, to work with. And so one day Jesus, who grew up in Galilee, in fact his hometown of Nazareth was about 20 uh, miles away from the Sea of Galilee. He, he knew that I need a gang uh, because he understood that I can go fast alone. I can go quick alone. But if I want to go further, if I want to do more, I will need a team. And so Jesus finds himself walking on the beach. And as he's walking on the beach, his, his eyes centralize themselves. His eyes focus on two men who are busy mending their nets. He looks at two brothers, Simon and Andrew. The text says Jesus saw. The text says Jesus saw. It wasn't just this seeing like you're passing them all. Oh, that's a sign and then you pass or no. Jesus saw Andrew and Simon. In fact, the way the text is, is, is put is that he saw Simon, the older brother, and he saw Andrew, the younger brother. But Jesus' seeing was a kind of seeing that allowed him to evaluate the life of Simon and the life of Andrew. He could see their whole history. He could see where they had been. But he could also see where they were. And he could also see where they could be. <laughs> Jesus saw these two brothers. An older one, Simon. And he saw a younger one, Andrew. He saw Simon, the flamboyant brother. He saw Simon, the, the, the extrovert. He saw Simon, the talkative and the assertive. He saw Simon, the one who could speak up and was not afraid to say what was in his mind. He saw that person. He saw a person who was quick to talk and slow to think. But he could also see that this could be a juggernaut in the ministry. 
He also saw Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost and the 3,000 people giving their life to Jesus. Peter, Jesus also saw this brother Peter sitting down in his room on his table and taking a scroll and a pen and putting together two letters, first Peter and second Peter. Jesus saw these two brothers, but he saw more than what they were. Jesus also saw Simon, I mean Andrew, the younger brother. The younger brother, not as talkative, a little more quiet, a little bit more laid back, not as assertive, your introvert, the person who doesn't like crowds, the person who would never preach a sermon in public, a, sermon, a person who could never do a Bible study in a large group, but yet he saw this brother, Andrew, the younger one, the quiet one. But it's interesting that this younger brother is the young, is the one who brought Simon to Jesus. He saw in Simon, in Andrew, forgive me, he saw in Andrew one who was good in one-on-one -on -one relationships. I have news for you this morning, my brother and my sister. Jesus doesn't see what you are. Jesus doesn't see who you are, but Jesus sees who you can become. I am not sure how your family sees you. I'm not sure how your friends see you. I'm not sure how your sons, I mean your, your fans see you. But I want you to know that God sees in you more than what you are. God sees in you that you can become more than who you think you are. God sees in you that you can be the great uh, so-and-so. He, he sees that you can be that author. He sees that you can be that preacher. He sees that you can be that teacher. He sees a husband in you. He sees a wife in you. He sees a, 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 a politician in you. He sees a gospel worker in you. He sees a faithful person in you. He sees a committed person in you. Jesus sees you for what you can become, not what you are. Somebody say amen. Let, let, because that is the good news of God. He's not looking at your failures and, and your foibles and, and the fact that plans hasn't worked out. He is looking at, oh my goodness, if only I can get my hands on her. If only I can get my hands on him. If only I can get a hands on that child, on that job. I will translate this person into a great uh, stratosphere. Into a great atmosphere. And I will put them in a position where they will not fear their, their history and, and their past. But they will embrace it and be a force to be reckoned with. I need you to know that Jesus... Did not see these two brothers the same way. Jesus saw these two brothers differently. And the text is clear. He saw Simon and then he sees Andrew, his brother. In other words, Simon was the more prominent one. The more eminent one. The one standing and sitting at the peak. Andrew, on the other hand, was defined by his brother. Uh, back in high school, uh, me and my little brother went to the same high school. And I was known as Big Tembo. And my little brother was called Little Tembo. 
my little brothers my little brother was defined by the shadow i had cast on him as the big brother i used to play sports i was known in school everybody would talk to me that kind of thing the popular kid I'm not trying to blow and toot my own horn here, but I'm, 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 I want you to understand uh, that the point I'm trying to drive at. When I graduated high school, my little brother Gun, get this Gun, my little brother was able to, to outgrow my shadow. I have never hit a game-winning shot in a basketball game. My brother did. I have never caught a touchdown pass. I have uh, scored a running touchdown into the end zone. I'm talking about American football. I've done that, but I've never scored a, uh, uh, I've never caught a touchdown pass. My little brother did that. And when I came back to, to Allegheny High School, people no longer called him Little Tembo. They called him Tembo. In other words, Little Temple had broken the shadow of Big Temple. But I want you to see that in these two brothers, Andrew and Simon, Andrew was never, was never able to get out of the shadow of his brother. He was always defined. And if you comb through the Gospels, you will see that he was always defined as Peter's brother. And some of us are so-and-so's brother we are so-and-so's sister we are so-and-so's son we are so-and-so's uh, uh, uh child we are defined by those around us and here we have a situation that uh, this young brother uh, andrew never leaves his shadow because i want you to know that god makes us each in our own way god knew that Peter, that Simon was gifted and was, 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 had the ability and the capability to be a leader and to stand strong and to lead a church and to lead a people, to lead an organization. But he could see that in Andrew, there was not that capability. He could see that in Andrew, there was this interpersonal connection. They could see that in Andrew, there's this ability to draw people are closer to Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. And here's a beautiful story. The situation is that we need both uh, Simon and we need both an Andrew. And whether you are Simon, whether you are an Andrew, God needs you. God sees you. And God wants to elevate you to the place where you need to be. But we need to understand that God has called us to be what we should be. God has, uh, has envisioned for us to be the thing we should be based upon what he sees we can be. So if you are not as popular, it's okay. If you are not as, as extroverted, it's okay. If you're not as introverted, it's okay. But the beautiful thing is this. Jesus met these two brothers. Jesus found these two brothers working together. He found them collaborating. He found them complementing each other. And if we can take the same approach as these two brothers, if we can look at each other the way Jesus sees us, then we actually are going to be more. But too many times. Too many times, you know how it is, we, we compare. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't sing as good. Mm -hmm. I don't preach as good. Mm -hmm. 
I don't dress as good as he does. He's always better than, than, than me. But what if we focus our attention not on what we don't have, but what we have? And then when we look at other people, <laughs> we see that they have gifts and talents that we don't have. I'll tell you the truth. I am not as good as taking pictures as Elder Irwan, for example. So when I'm doing stuff, I will not fight with him to take pictures because he's taking pictures of me right now. I will not fight with him to take pictures. I will let him take pictures. I will do, I will do the preaching. You understand what I'm saying? If I know I am not as good at, at writing, uh, but my friend is good at writing, I will not fight him to be a writer. I will say, you know what? You are the writer. You write the article. If I know that I'm, a, I'm not as gifted at leadership, I will not fight to be a leader. I will let the leaders be the leaders and I will stick in my own lane because I understand that being more is not about being in the forefront. Being more is not about being the most popular, but being more is about complimenting others. And when I compliment others, then I become the best that I can be. Now, now what, what I saw in this particular passage is that... Uh, I saw that when I was, I was, I was reflecting on it, I, I, I came across these three concepts that I want to throw at you. I came across the call, I came across the commitment, and I came across the, the course. I, at least this is how the passage impacted my thinking, and this is why I want to take the sermon uh, for this morning. Let's talk about the call for a second. The call. The Bible says, Jesus speaking to the disciples... Come ye after me, and I'll make you to become fishers of men. There's a call right there. Jesus says, you come, 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 come. I'm calling you to follow me. Now, this was a very strange action by Jesus. Uh, Jesus wasn't like many YouTube stars. You know, I'm talking about YouTube stars, Gun. You know, these YouTube stars. These YouTube stars, when you watch their videos, they'll tell you, please follow Please comment, please like. They, they want you to follow them. In the time of Jesus, a rabbi or a teacher never asked followers to follow him. He wanted it to happen organically, naturally. But Jesus doesn't follow the organic way. He breaks the order. Jesus throws out the call. Follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. And I want us to take a, a, a pep, I mean a cue from the steps of Jesus right here. Because he's showing us that when you dare to become more, you have to be willing to step out of the established lanes and carve your own paths. You have to be willing to do the abnormal in order to be extraordinary. You have to be able to say, you know what, everybody has always done this and that but in my life, I'm not going to do this and that. I'm going to do that and that. Because if I want to be more, I cannot go in this same path as I normally, as, as everybody normally goes. So you should be willing to break away from the norm. But I noted the condition of the, the ones that Jesus called. The text says that they were fishers they were fishermen jesus called fishermen he called people who were not on the the highest rung on the social ladder jesus called people who were on the low on the lowest rung of the influential ladder he called people that 
didn't study in the University of Jerusalem. He called people who didn't advise the influential like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the lawyers. These fishermen were not called up to Jerusalem and to be asked of their opinion. These guys were simple folk. These guys didn't come from an amazing stock. But Jesus could see that they could walk in the path of becoming more. And so I want you to know that Jesus today is interested in calling people who the condition that they are in is not the, the, no, is not the most uh, attractive condition. It is not the most uh, 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 prestigious uh, condition. But yet it is a condition that Jesus uh, sees can be translated into something different. And this is what I, I want you to see that your condition is not the issue. The condition of your bank account is not the issue with God. The condition of your marriage is not the issue with God. The condition of your motivation is not an issue with God. Your condition, whatever it is, whatever job you do, whatever employment you are in, whatever is happening in, in your life is not a problem with God. God can utilize whatever condition you are in. Hallelujah, somebody. And as I was reflecting a little bit deeper on this, I began to understand that, you see, Jesus uh, doesn't see what we are again. But Jesus sees what we can become. He doesn't see a doubter. He sees a believer. He doesn't see somebody who is broke, but he sees somebody with a beacon of hope. Jesus sees somebody who he can translate into something else. And I, and I love this because it encourages me, brother and sister, that in spite of my weaknesses, in spite of my challenges, in spite of not having money and in spite of not having influence and not having a big title to my name, God still is able to utilize me. And if God can utilize me, I want you to know that God can utilize you. So I noted the condition, but I also understood the condition, the condition of the called showed me that there is a changer in the condition. I want you to notice that the text says in verse number 17, I will make you to become fishers of men. The changer is Jesus. I will make you to become fishes of men. I am the switch. You are the bulb. I am the thermostat. You are the room. I am the lab technician. You are the sample. Jesus is the one who changes the condition. Jesus is the one who manipulates things. Talking about manipulation. We were discussing about manipulation sometime earlier this week. I just want to use it in a positive sense. Jesus is the changer. And that's important because you cannot become more if God doesn't actually change you. If God doesn't impact your life. And some of us are, are trying to change. Without the changer in Jesus. 
Some of us are trying to become more without the moreness that Jesus can inject into our lives. <laughs> so we try hard to pray and, and to study the Bible, to be faithful. We pray, we, we do the fasting, we do the, the Christian thing, but yet we still fall back in the same problems. We still find ourselves struggling in the same situations. I have news for you. The problem is Jesus hasn't changed it. Unless he comes and involves himself in your situation, there will be no change. And notice what Jesus says. I will make you become fishes of men. You see, the change is not immediate. You may not see it immediately. But the beautiful thing is, Jesus says, I will make you. Eventually, the change is going to, to, to happen. Because Jesus takes you through a course. Just like many of us when we go to school. You enroll in class. Whatever class you're going to be taking. You, you get involved. You, you, you start taking classes. By the time you graduate, you're no longer the same student that you came in. When you came to, to college, you were this novice. You, you were wet behind your ears. But when Jesus Christ is, or when the, the, the school is done with you and, and your teachers have gone, made you go through different tests and all kinds of things, you come out more confident. You're, you're more educated. And that's what Jesus does with us. He, he changes us and he translates us. We, 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 we drop our bad habits. We drop our wrong thinking. We start changing the way we do certain things. Our perspective in life changes. And by the time we start analyzing ourselves, we look back. 10 years ago, I was like this, but now I am like that because that is what God does. And so Jesus is the one who has to bring about the change. Hallelujah, somebody. So as I was thinking about uh, this call that Jesus came, uh, that Jesus gave to the disciples. Yes, I saw the condition and I saw that Jesus Christ is the changer. But the last thing that I saw is that there is consistency. There is consistency because Jesus says, I will make you become fishers of men. Now notice, these brothers were fishers of men. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to make you pilots of men. He never said, I'm going to make you uh, boys to men. He never said, I'm going to make you great men. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Is fishing, what they were used to, still remain consistent in their life. <laughs> Jesus could see that the background that they have had in fishing is quite useful in this new venture I'm taking them in. <laughs> Woo! You see, Jesus understands what you have been through. He knows that you have taken a course that you never saw is taking you somewhere. You never understood why your life went in this way. But when you come into, when you come into, when you accept the call of God and, and you ask him to change your life, he's going to utilize what you know in a new way. You see, Jesus knew is that the skill of fishing was needed in bringing people to him. He knew there would be need for patience. Fishermen have to be really patient. He knew. Jesus knew that uh, to fish for men would require using a different kind of bait. And these brothers would know what kind of bait to use based upon the type of fish they'll be fishing. <laughs> 
Jesus knew that a fishing would be necessary because a, a fisherman understands that when he has caught fish, he must preserve the fish. Is he going to sell some fish or is he going to give away some fish? Jesus knew that the skills that they had would be important and necessary in the new venture that he has taken them on. So listen to me, that the consistency that Jesus or God maintains in our life is that background. There are some skills that you have had. There are things that you know, and those things are going to come out in your life. Perhaps you used to rap before, but God can take your rapping and make you a preacher. Perhaps you used to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to break locks and, and used to know how to get easily into doors and, and steal things. God will sanctify that and utilize it in a new way. So whatever skill that you have, whatever gift that you have, God can utilize it for his glory and for his good and make you become more. But Jesus also understood uh, that they will not be doing fishing. They'll be fishing for men. And therefore, they would have to unlearn some things. Yep. They would have to stop some things. Because you don't fish for men as you fish for fish. There'll be a change. And this is what Jesus Christ wanted to bring them to. And that is what they needed to learn. Because at that particular moment, they didn't know what fishing for men was all about. And so Jesus provided the model that they would be following to understand what it actually means to fish for men. And so when you have accepted the call, you will not know where it's going to take you. You will not know where you're going to go. But trust me, when you follow Jesus, he's going to teach you things that you never thought you could do. I never realized. I never thought I'd be standing in front of you. I never knew this. I never dreamed of it. But when God has taken your life, when you have accepted the call, whatever call, and by the way, all of us have a call. Whatever call God has for your life, and when you accept it, trust me, God is going to take you to places and he's going to utilize you in wonderful and amazing things. Basically, I'm saying, when you accept the call of God over your life, you become more. You become more. You become more. I don't know what call God has placed on your life. I don't know what God is calling you to. But whatever God is calling you to, believe me, if you, if you are accepted and you follow it, you're going to be more than what you are now. Anybody who has ever uh, rejected the call of God has never become great as they could have been. Yeah, you, you get a name to yourself. You know? I'm reminded of a story. The... the the, uh, the name is William Foy. He was called to be a prophet by God, but he rejected. So what did God do? He found a sickly little girl, one who had a, a health challenge. She, she was hit in the head and God called her to be a prophet. And she became a prophet and we, we still talk about her today. Her name, Ellen G. White. We still talk to, we still talk about her today because she accepted the call you see when you accept god's call over your life god is going to translate your life into something more meaningful because because the call is not only for you but the call is how you can be a benefit to humanity and those around you but let me leave the call for a moment let me talk about the commitment so we've talked about the call right we have to accept the call but let's talk about the commitment for a second and here we read, this is, this is amazing. 
The text says that the brothers, when they heard the call of Jesus, they immediately, they straightway forsook their nets. And then when you read about the, the other brothers, you will see that they left John and James. They left a family business to follow Jesus. Here is crazy, crazy commitment. Now think, think about it. Simon was a family man. He was a husband. He was a provider. But when Jesus Christ says, follow me, he didn't think about it. He just dropped the nets and he followed Jesus. And here the, the, the two brothers, James and John, their future was clear. They knew what God would do for them. I mean, they knew what their father was leaving them. A legacy was already there. But they decided to live a, a, a comfortable life to follow Jesus. And I asked myself, how is it that a family man who has a wife and kids at home, how is it that two brothers whom their life is already set, a family business is already there, how is it that they left it all? They left it all to follow Jesus. How is it? But this is something that I began to understand that if you want to become more, you must be willing to let some things go. You must be willing to say no to this in order to accept this. You must be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to leave this behind so that I can go forward. And sometimes too many of us, we cannot go forward because we are stuck on our present. We are stuck on our past. And so when the call comes, we are unwilling to accept it because we feel that what we have is good enough already. But for the fact that these brothers accepted Jesus, it tells me that they saw in Jesus something a lot more. So, you know, we get calls a lot of times. And uh, one, one call that comes to us a lot of times, especially when we go to the mall, is to, to buy something. You know, there are a lot of sales. Man, I get sales all the time. All the time there are sales. Now, impulsive buyers, you know what impulsive buyers do? Impulsive buyers will simply buy. They don't take time to analyze the sale because sometimes these sales are really gimmicks. And in, in the end, it's not really a sale. They're just taking a lot more money from you. But thoughtful, investigative buyers, you know what they do? They analyze the situation carefully. And they, they see, oh, this sale is like this, like that. And then when they see that the sale is good, they end up buying. Before James and John, before Simon and Andrew accepted the call of Jesus, they took time to investigate. Because according to John chapter 1, is that they spent a night with Jesus. And when they spent a night with Jesus, they began to see that Jesus is the Messiah we have been waiting for. They began to see that Jesus is the hope of our struggles and our challenges jesus filled the holes of their questions they saw in jesus more than what they saw in their nets they saw in jesus more than what they saw in the family business they saw in jesus more than what they saw in simply maintaining uh, providing for a family they saw in jesus that there was something more in that and i want you to know that if we can have a season of interaction with jesus if we can really know him for who he is then we're gonna see that he is more than a job. We're going to see that he is more than a relationship. We're going to see that he is more than a career. We're going to see that he is 
more than a, and then elevating ourselves. We're going to see that he is more than owning a house or owning a car. We're going to see that he's more than having the latest gadget. Gadget. We're going to see that he's more than wearing the best of clothes. We're going to see that Jesus is truly more. And I'm glad that this morning, the two brothers, the two sets of brothers, saw in Jesus something more. And I wonder if you see in Jesus something more. But if you don't, that's okay. I invite you today to say, you know what, Pastor? I want to see something more in Jesus. I want to interact with Jesus. I need a season to interact with, with, with Jesus. I, I'm reminded of Edward III. He was a, a king of England, of the UK. But he met a woman, Wallace, Wallace, Samson or Simpson. Forgive me if I'm not getting the name right. But when he looked at this woman, he felt free. When he looked at this woman, he felt that he could be all that he could be in life. And so you know what he did? He abdicated the throne. And that is why Elizabeth II became the queen of England. Because this brother said, I don't want this. Because he saw in this woman more than what the throne could provide for him. And so for us, we must see Jesus more. Because when we see Jesus as more, then we are willing to commit everything to him. We're willing to say, you know what, Lord, I'm willing to die with you. We're going to say, you know what, Lord, I'm willing to go where you want me to go. We're going to say, you know what, Lord, this job, this situation doesn't matter, but it is about you. I'm going to go with you and I'm for you. So we know if you want to become more, you have to accept the call. But you don't only accept the call, but you need to be committed. But when you have been committed, Jesus brings you into a course. Notice the text says, and, and they followed him. The brothers followed Jesus when he gave them the call. Back in high school, not high school, college, we would describe our degrees or our pursuit of study as a course. So when I talk to medical students, they say I'm doing a medical course. Uh, when we talk about uh, dentistry students, they were doing a dentistry course. And me, I chose their theology course. I chose to be, to be a pastor. Now, when you have chosen a course of study, you already know that uh, the credits are set. You already know that the amount of classes per semester is set. You know the tuition is set. You know the books are set. The course is clear. In fact, if you choose to end the course in three and a half years because you take more classes or you, you work the system, you can finish your course faster. <laughs> but with the disciples, they did not know the course. It was not clear. But they followed. And they were not promised a life, uh, life insurance. They, they were not promised a uh, promotion. They, they were not promised a severance package. They weren't promised. Uh, they were not, there were no guarantees. That's what I'm trying to say. But they followed Jesus. Because they, though they were not certain about the course, they were certain about the one leading the course. Although they weren't clear about the course, but they were clear about the one leading the course. Though they weren't 100% sure about where they were going. But they knew who was leading them in the way they were going. 
You see, that is the beauty of a Christian experience. God is not going to tell you what is going to come, but he simply tells you, come. God is not going to tell you where to go. He'll be like, let's go. God is not going to clarify things for you. He will simply clarify who he is to you, and your faith allows you to go in the path you should go. There, there is nothing more important in the journey of a Christian than the faith experience. It's not by what I see, but it is who I see. <laughs> it is not by faith. It is not by sight. It is by faith. So brother and sister, I don't know what course God is calling you to today. Perhaps he's calling you to the course of less money, but more time with your family. Perhaps he's calling you from a course of a relationship into a course of a no relationship. Perhaps he's telling you, leave Indonesia, eat to go into another place. Perhaps he's telling you, you're not to be a doctor, I need you to be a preacher. Perhaps he's saying, don't be a preacher, be a doctor. I don't know what course God is calling you into today, but he's calling you into some course. But when you accept the course, your life is going to be more meaningful and your life is going to be more impactful. And your life is going to make a difference on this planet. And so you will never know with certainty the course. But oh my goodness, I'm glad that when you follow Jesus, when you follow the course that he sets for your life, you must resemble him. You must be like him. And I love how the text uh, puts it when it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, <laughs> those brothers who accepted the call a long time ago, this was about maybe four years later after the call, when they saw the boldness, the boldness, the boldness, the boldness, the boldness, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they could see that they have been with Jesus. They could see that they had become more. <laughs> because you cannot be more than Jesus. You cannot be more than reflecting who God is. And so this morning, I'm simply here to call you, to dare you, to be more like Jesus. To be more in Jesus. To be more by Jesus. I dare you to accept the call. I dare you to be committed. I dare you to follow the course that he has set. And your life will definitely make a difference. Every set of eyes are closed. Every head is bowed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Because today we want to dare to be more. We want to ask you to translate us into what we are not. Make us like Jesus. Help us to be more like Jesus. Father, we don't know the call. But Lord, make it clear. We don't know the commitment. But make it clear, oh God, we don't know the course, but we are going to follow as you make it clear day by day. My brothers and sisters, wherever they are, whatever they, they be doing, please, Lord, help them. And please grant them your grace and lead them and direct them. I humbly pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.